Hey, this is Adit. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Lean AI. used ChatGPT and been amazed at how helpful a chatbot can be, then you would instantly understand the value of what Lina AI offers to enterprises. If you are working in a company and want to know what kind of allowances you are entitled to, or if you need to understand why your salary was less this month, then you can just ask the Lina AI bot and get an instant answer. No need to mail HR or wait for days to get the answer. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dutt talks with Adit Jain about his fascinating journey of building up Lina AI pretty much straight out of college. Adit shared some amazing insights about finding product market fit, learning to focus deeply and how to build a B2B product as an outsider. Lina has raised $40 million till date and is truly made in India for the world's SaaS product. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast to hear stories of founders finding product market fit and building large global businesses. So I did everything else apart from studying in college. So I dated somebody. Uh, I, you know, decided to, you know, join all kinds of clubs. So, you know, cricket, hockey, and then also did things like uh, dramatics. Uh, you know, and there was internal, internal politics at IIT as well, you know, between hostels, within the hostel and, you know, positions of response, student, yeah, student council and bodies. And there there's like two big, uh, you know, events that, uh, IIT students, one is the rendezvous, the cultural fest, and the other one is stress, the technical fest. Positions for that. So I did everything else apart from studying for four years. And then, um, you know, I, I got, 2015 was a very interesting time. 2014, to, actually 2015, 2014 were very, very interesting times because, uh, you know, those are the times when uh, the Indian startup ecosystem was booming a lot, right? And you had the Zomatos and Swiggies of the world who were kind of coming to, you know, fruition and Flipkart was happening. There was a lot of money flowing in, uh, like big money flowing in into the system at that time. Right? The first smell of blood essentially yeah, yeah, was coming into the first few years startup ecosystem. Yeah. Yep. We were sitting in college, had nothing, did not want to study. So we said, okay, let's try and build something of our own. So on one angle, I to figure that out. So, you know, did some experiments here and there, small scale, joined a couple of cases, did internships, et cetera, et cetera. The other angle I wanted to do an MBA, of course, why not? Let go and sell soap. I like how you describe the MBA. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was happening. So I took my cat, uh, took the cat exam, uh, end of 2014, I suppose, November or something. And then, um, no, I think before that, whenever, whenever it happens, right? I don't even remember now. But so that happened. The, uh, intake of 2015, you took the exam. For the intake of 2015, exactly. So, uh, scored well there. So, I actually did, I got a 99.90 percentile. And, uh, you know, now at that time, I was in this motion of what do you want to do in life, right? I had actually sit for placements also. I got a job offer from Flipkart. And um, so, job offer from Flipkart, you know, I got 99.90 in CAT. And then, uh, I wanted to start up. So, like all of this was happening, Mayang, my co-founder, and Arun, my co-founder, we, we've known each other last 11 years, right? So we, we were in the same same wing, in the same hostel in IIT Delhi, Ravli hostel, right? So we were great friends. We, had, we, we do a lot of things together, some projects here and there, some politics here and there, and it, it was fun. So uh, at the end of it, you know, we were like, okay, let's start building something. Let's, let's see if something can happen. We did a couple things, you know, do, did two or three ideas, something in healthcare, something in education, and then all of that. And then, you know, we remembered we'd actually done this project uh, of AI in uh, together in, in college as, as coursework, right? Uh, something automatic content summarization. Um, and, you know, we said, if you want to do it, let's do hard tech. And, you know, there was money coming into the system and we were like, you know, if now, not now, then when, you know, and somehow I was able to convince both of these guys, you know, that like, hey, you know what, let's give us, let's, let's give ourselves a year. <laughs> let's see what happened. Okay. 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 <laughs> so they also had job offers, of course. And, uh, we kind of, we just kind of, you know, got into it. We, we kind of convinced each other together as a team. And we finally were at it. it was probably the toughest time of my life, you know, 
uh, extremely extremely tough. The you had zero money, he has zero money, <laughs> and you <laughs> <we> have to <laughs> you know you have to survive and you have to do a startup and all of that. And um, I so remember we used to you didn't uh, take admission for cat for any MBA course then. No, no. Okay. I said, if I'm going to do it, like, see, I can't do it. If, if they're not joining jobs and I'm not joining jobs, like, everyone has to do it together, right? So, risky, for sure. But the good thing is, at least I had a lot of support from my parents. Uh, I had yeah, I mean, your, your dad was an entrepreneur. So he understood the value of taking that risk to start something. Exactly. Especially taking a risk early in your career is much easier. Yeah, it's much easier. The cost of that risk is much lower than taking it later. Absolutely. So I had support from my family. Their families were tougher to explain to, but yeah, we got through that. Yeah. And of course, we had huge egos, so nobody wanted to take any money from their parents. Yeah, okay, okay. How did you survive then? And you know, uh, how did you, uh, how did you find uh, that product market fit that, okay, this is something which people will pay for? Absolutely. So, we stayed on campus in our okay. hostel illegally okay. for the year or so. Right. Yeah. That, that was fun. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we started at that time because we were fascinated by, you know, the, the NLP space. Uh, you know, we done, we'd done something in automatic content summarization. We were like, okay, let's, let's try and figure this out. So mm-hmm. we, uh, at that time, if you remember Facebook, well, well, one quick question, uh, you did a cop science engineering. Oh no 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 no! I am uh, I'm I'm on the chemical side of things. Yeah. Okay, but you were passionate about coding. You picked it up on your own. Absolutely. Oh, got it. Hmm. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. So uh, none of us is actually uh, uh, technically a computer science engineer. Anand has done. Uh, Anand has. Uh, Anand has a degree in computer science, and the other two, me and Mayank, we don't. Uh, we one is production. Uh, which person which is mechanical and then I, I'm chemicals and textile so that's me um, and then you know we we kind of sat down together started you know thinking of ideas and overall you know we realized that it's basically just you know you'll have to try a lot and probably one of these things will stick right so we started doing uh, a platform called chatter on so at that time if you remember Facebook Messenger and Kik and a few other Telegram had opened up their platforms for chatbots, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early days of Facebook Messenger chatbots. Exactly. So those early those early days is you know, and then it it had a sense of NLP in it. So the first idea we had was okay, crazy thing. We're gonna we're gonna use the Facebook Messenger platform to and at that time there was a company called InShots. They still exist. I think they're pivoted to some other. Uh, company as well but they still exist uh, it's actually an IIT guy only IIT Delhi senior only uh, that runs that right so we were like okay can we do in shorts on Facebook messenger because people use Facebook messenger every day if they can get like somebody on Facebook <laughs> yeah that makes sense let's do it yeah. we created an automatic content summarization algorithm so in shorts does it with people we said we'll do it using AI right and this is what was the first tent of uh, the product was called Zupit Z-U-P-P-I-T and uh you know, that, that's, that was the first thing. Uh, we started with the Facebook Messenger app and that was technically a chatbot, uh, but we were using it just for, you know, news, summarize, news, summary, uh, summarize news dissemination, right? And uh, that was pretty, pretty good. I, you know, we saw good traction overall, right? But, you know, how do you How did you uh, spread the word that, you know, like, like add this to your messengers, you have to get people to add uh, to the messenger, right? So how, how did you get users? So most of it was, you know, us going into groups, posting, 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 okay. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it was like all gorilla. No, no, of we had no money to spend. Okay. <laughs> and how many users did you get? Like, uh, we went to around uh, twelve thousand odd. Okay, pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. But of course, we made zero money. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. 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 you know, we were surviving on AWS credits and our hostel mess yeah. food. So, pretty <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. So that's where the journey kind of uh, you know took a turn where we had to okay how how do what like what do we how do we make money right? Uh, interestingly, one customer uh, not customer one one person in India today. 
actually saw the Zupit bot. Zupit uh, bot on Facebook is the news from the bot, right? And he reached out to us and he said, you know what, this is pretty cool. I want something like this for you today as well. I'm like, okay, like, like, okay, uh, we can do that. But, and then he was ready to pay money for it as well. I'm like, this is super cool. <laughs> That's the first, because nobody in the world teaches you B2B. In in your bachelor's, right? No, like that's something that nobody yeah. ever teaches you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, oh, business can be to be as well. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's yeah. our first exposure. We actually made, I don't know, 3.6 lakh rupees or something, 30,000 a month or something like that, right? It was a SaaS product or it was like a one time build you did or what? It must have been SaaS. Yes. 30,000 a month, so 3.6 lakh rupees. And that was the first ever, uh, you know, deal, deal we made. And I was super, super excited. Now, this is this is real money in our hands and, you know, we can actually do something. So, with that, we kind of extended the idea into a product called Chatter. On. Now, I'm going to fast forward to 2016, right? Uh, this is late 2016, you know, all of this has happened. We've made our first money. We've smelt first blood. And we're like, okay, this makes sense. Now, let's look at Facebook Messenger as a distribution channel and see if we can, we all can redistribute, right? So, we just started going bonkers on ideas and then we said, okay, how do we, how can we, like, give this distribution channel in the hands of everybody, right? So, the logical idea was to kind of, uh, or basically make business happen or transactions happen on top of Facebook Messenger, right? So, the idea was to allow for businesses to themselves create, uh, chatbots on top of Facebook Messenger, right? And then, of course, we we extended it just like a classic rookie entrepreneur. The idea was to extend it as much as possible uh, so that you can create bots for your websites, Facebook handle pages, Twitter handles, everywhere, right? And uh, that basically became Chatteron. So the idea was to allow people to come in, build customer support, marketing, sales chatbots for their uh, Facebook Messenger pages, Twitter handles, and websites. And so this would be one of the shoots. Gupshap. Uh, what Gupshap does? Gupshap is 80% of revenue is still SMS. Uh, in to my understanding or to my estimation, so they are like whatever. But yeah, you you got the, the if you're talking about the chatbot business, the the uh, or you can say it's, it's like Microsoft bot framework. It's like uh, uh, you know that kind of where you can go and do it yourself. That is very important, right? It's a builder. So we went from over thirty thousand. Businesses using Chatter on within a year, crazy growth, absolutely crazy. Like we had over 150 countries, companies in 150 countries who are using Chatter on to build bots. Crazy, crazy as growth, right? And uh, this is all bootstrapped so far, like no external funds. Okay, no external funds. And again, the question of how did you get 30,000 companies? Like, how did you? uh, I mean, was it like cold calling, cold emails, and all, or was it like? organically people were discovering you or got it so we had we had actually become a part of at that point when facebook Messenger launched you know there were these micro communities that got created right and uh about people creating facebook messenger bots or people who wanted to create messenger bots right so we literally were a part of every single one of them and we were like i and the team was like we were the top contributors to the overall community right so yeah there, there, there's probably still a course. There would still there probably would still be a course on you know Udemy or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, you put up. You know, okay. Yeah, you would find like hundreds of thousands of people who have taken that course. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was pretty much fun, and uh, you know that happened. Now other side of stuff. Yeah. One quick question here: uh, What uh, what did the Twitter bot do? Because fa- Messenger, I understand, there's two way customer typing. Yeah. Messenger responding. What what does the Twitter bot do? Same. It's it's not a tweeting bot. So when you do a DM on Twitter, ah, it's okay. for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Twitter allowed uh, it had opened up that API for yeah. bots to mm. handle. Yeah, yeah, probably not in 2016. I think 2017 or something. But yeah, it is uh-huh. open. Okay. 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 Got it. And yeah. what was this price so, then? How were you monetizing? So I was I was coming to that. So we had a freemium model. So it was free up till thousand messages per bot. And then you had pay as you became, you got above a thousand messages, right? Now, why we had a great top of the funnel, our conversion rates were shitty, extremely, extremely shitty, right? How shitty? <laughs> we had just like 20 paying customers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
ఎక్స్పీరియన్స్ we'd given them the tools but you know they don't know how to build a conversational experience and this is yeah. typically hard it is typically hard tech while we had dumbed down the tech or we had simplified the tech using our platform but still the entire the elements of experience etc integrations etc was completely missed by the person who was creating the platform right uh, or who was creating the bot on our platform right so this led to a lot of re- revelations for us uh, you know bro having done that mistake if i look in the hindsight it was probably one of the best mistakes i've made because now if i do anything new you know i know what not to for sure because you know that's that's how humans are or that's that's i i think that's how dreamers are right dreamers always dream of really really big things but now as an intelligent dreamer i can tell you that you can dream as big as as you want as the universe but you have to always make sure that you get the earth right and then you can go get the get the that you get the the universe right right so that's the idea uh, that's something that's that's helped us forever so what we did is actually we started looking at the customers who had actually converted who had actually started paying us right the 20 odd customers that we had that point actually we realized that these 20 customers are basically there there was a handful of uh, around 12 odd of these 20 customers who were using atron to build internal chatbots this is hr and it chatbots wow right okay What kind Now of this was very like software companies or like large companies, large companies. So one was Pedilite, Coca Cola, you know, some some big 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 organizations. And I was like, you know, I was looking at what they're doing, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, there are people who are applying leaves. There are people who are uh, <laughs> looking at leave balances. People are looking at you know adding beneficiaries. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what 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 is all of this? Having zero. Work experience. I never had a salary paycheck. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is even happening, right?" And, and uh, but Pidilite would have been using like a web version of the chatbot, right? Not through Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah, not one web version. Put it on the internal website. So, uh, internet, right? So put it on the internet. So. very very fun like i was like okay this is great so let's let's we rang up all the 12 customers and we we you know, took hours of their time to try and understand what they are doing you know i remember being in meetings and they said they we have, we have integrated your platform with ad i'm like what is ad you were i don't know what is ad <laughs> it is microsoft active directory it's is basically the uh, it's a, yeah you it's your employees authentication yeah if you have 100 employees all of them will be in microsoft ads that's how you authenticate them with all your systems right so uh, I, I, like i'm like what is ad how how yeah. did you integrate our solution ad <laughs> but but <laughs> but but apparently because we are, we are engineers the way we had like kind of made the platform we had made it extremely one of the good things that it was an extremely flexible platform i i i can even tell you this today uh, after not having worked on that for the last who i don't know how many years it's still one of the most flexible platforms in the world still is right so because we we are hardcore engineers who had zero baggage <laughs> and and who wanted to solve for all the use cases in the world like literally every single use case that you can think of from airline booking to you know delivery to support all use cases were thought of in yeah, 20 you, you saw it as a, like a global platform that companies would build on like say a sandgrid like also like exactly. not exactly but yeah something like that which yeah. becomes a de facto platform for really? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was it like this crazy, this crazy, crazy flexibility that we built in, and they were like, we we love how flexible it is, and you know all of that, and we were like, okay, this is great. But then you know we went deeper to try and say, okay, why are they? Why are you doing this? Why are you building this? Like this should happen in some other application, right? You are integrating us with an SAP and Oracle and uh, whatever, right? So a workday. So why are you, you know, uh, like it would be happening there anyway. So why are people not going there, right? 
So what we then understood, Akshay, was that there is, in large companies, there is a problem of access to information. There's so many different people, departments, systems, applications, that information that you need to do a job just gets lost. And that's essentially where we realized that there's a huge gap of access to information. And something like Lina could come in and actually solve it. So our vision in initially and even today is to build a Jarvis for the enterprise, or Siri, Jarvis, Alexa, whatever you want to call it, for the enterprise. And uh, that's where, uh, you know, that's where Lina was born in late 2017 uh, as, as a Siri for the enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Did you choose the name Lina inspired by Siri? Like a female assistant? Well, no, it's my ex-girlfriend's name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're insisting a lot that you're kidding. Huh? I, I doubt that. <laughs> no, there is a Swedish supermodel. There's a Swedish supermodel named uh, Lena Soderberg, right? So the photograph of face, the photograph of her face is uh, used in. Uh, face recognition when you write a face recognition algorithm right let's say you and I both write a face recognition algorithm so whose is better how do you know whose is better right so you have to run the algorithm on one photo on just the exact same photo and you have to do feature extraction right nose length etc eyes you have to do feature extraction and whoever and, and, and then we'll measure who's, who's better against right against what we because on that photograph, there is a global standard that has been created that this is, you know, what measurements are, right? So that's how you do it. Now, once uh, the the photograph that is used is that of one Lena Soderberg, who is a Swedish supermodel in the 1960s, and her face is said to be the most symmetrical, left-right symmetrical face in the world. So the left-right symmetry of her face is the best in the world, and uh, and that's why you know we. We, we kind of thought, okay, why not? Let's, let's do Lina. Fascinating. That's so yes. fascinating. It's like there's this Henrietta Lacks or something. I don't remember some woman whose blood is still used for a lot of medical mm. testing. Something like mm-hmm. that. I remember reading. Fascinating. Yep. It's just like that. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, uh, just one or two quick questions here. Uh, these enterprises that you were talking to were all Indian or they were across the world? Oh, the word. We had Vodafone, okay. Vodafone from Germany who had tried using Chatteron. Wow. And uh, like you had that ability to handle multiple languages in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As, as wow. you know, we wanted to be everything for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Okay. And uh, what was the pricing uh, at this time in the self-service module when you had this as a self-service? Uh, it was a per message pricing. So probably a cent or something per message, but yeah, it okay. was a per message. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then once you decided to build a solution for enterprise HR, uh, tell me like the journey after that, like how did you figure out uh, that these are the sources of data, that these are how I need to collect the data, this is how I need to organize the data and uh, you know, all of those uh, nuts and bolts because you hadn't worked in HR personally. Uh, or you, I mean, you never got a paycheck, you know. So, how did you figure all that? Yep, no, great question. So, I actually initially we wanted to build an enterprise series, so not just focusing on HR, but across the enterprise, like HR, IT, admin, finance, procurement, sales. Employees can go in and take all kinds of enterprise support. So, if my laptop is slow or I'm not able to access, let's say SAP, or I'm not able to send an email, or my video is not working on Zoom, or I want to add a dependent or get my salary slip or ask why my taxes are high. All kinds of problems. Why is my, uh, you know, where is my reimbursement pending? Any kind of question, if I have, you come to Lina. That's the vision of Lina today, right? And it was back then as well, and it remains to be our vision at this point too. Now, uh, but we had a huge learning, right? The learning was, don't be everything for everyone. Else is nothing for nobody. So, uh, early 2018, we were just three people. We, we took a call. We, you know, we started talking to these customers, the 12 customers we had. And we realized, dude, their, their enterprise, uh, you know, architecture and landscapes are extremely complicated. And we know we don't know jack shit, right? So if we try and do everything again, we'll be, we'll be done, right? Of course. So 
we need to kind of learn from our biggest mistake and get better at it. And that's where you verticalize into HR very, very deeply, Akshay. We said, this time around, we're not going to make the mistake. We'll not touch anything at all. We'll just be, our vision is to be an enterprise virtual assistant, but let's just focus on HR and be an HR virtual assistant for now. And then as we raise money and as, as, we, as our teams grow, we will look at doing other things as well. So that is where our journey started as an HR virtual assistant. Uh, it was, it was super, super, you know, amazing for us. And, uh, you know, I think it paid off really well because we got like, we got like 20 odd customers and then we went to YC in summer of 2018. Like within a span of six months, we got 20 odd customers okay. and we, we, went, we went to YC and postcard how, as well. You, you like co-built with these customers, like to figure out the connections, the data structures and all of that, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had zero access. Like they use SAP. We, we don't have any access to SAP, right? So uh, I think it's just about, hey, you know, uh, we are doing this. We are the best. We know how conversational AI works. We are, we, are, we are very, very good globally at that. But, you know, we need your help in. We need, we need, and, and, and don't worry, I'm not going to give you a $100,000 bill to do this, right? Give me $5,000, $10,000. Uh, you know, I'll, if I don't figure it out, I'll pay it back to you. No worries. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the money back. And but give me give me an opportunity. I think, and, and I do feel this really really strongly as well. I think the entire enterprise SaaS business is kind of very very. It's kind of very tough into break. It's very tough to break into. If you look at all new even startups that are in this space that do enterprise SaaS, the founders are experienced folks. Like they have fifteen years, twenty years of experience getting. In. I think you're probably the youngest. Uh, there's nothing to be proud about. I think it's a huge disadvantage. It's a huge yeah. advantage and disadvantage at the same time. Disadvantage being that we have to learn everything from the scratch. But, uh, you know, I think there's this, it's very tough to break into the enterprise SaaS marketplace, uh, SaaS, you know, and sell it to customers because you don't know jack shit. Like, is it, you know, I'd, I'd call SAP SAP. <laughs> it's right Internal customer sphere and one point of one of our customers are always don't call SAP SAP in front of anybody they think you're a fucking noob. Nope. Right? And imagine a customer having to tell me that, right? So yeah, it's it's very tough. So I think for people who are who are listening to this who who want to get into the enterprise SAS because I think it's it's great money. I think it's probably one of the best businesses that you can build. Because once in enterprise, a they they pay you a lot of money, and b they don't go away for years. Like there's no churn problem. They don't churn. They, they stick with you, you know, and all of that. Uh, See, so if, if if someone wants to be in that game, I uh, really really recommend, you know, just saying admitting that hey, we are here to do it. We are here to build. We don't know how to build right now. We don't know how to integrate with your systems, but we are ready to co-build with you and. And of course, you can't cut a hundred thousand dollar check on day one, or ask yeah. them to cut a hundred thousand dollar check on day. One. I'd probably not give myself hundred thousand dollars if I, if, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Adit or four years ago would come and try to sell to me, right? So uh, it's all right. So just you were like hustling and, and like just using your network to reach out to people and convincing them of this. Oh, LinkedIn. Uh, so I had built this bot on LinkedIn that would reach out to people. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. left, right, and center. Sure. Uh, probably the biggest. This great, great hack. Uh, you know, it was just like uh, boom, 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 sending messages to people uh, all day long. Uh, like you would so, look at someone yeah. whose designation was CEO or founder or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, that too. And even CIOs, CHROs, yeah, boom, 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 boom. And the pitch was very simple. You know, I was not even selling AI or anything. I, I was not telling, uh, you know, conversational AI or something. I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm a founder from IIT Delhi. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, build AI in, in IT, in HR and, and, you know, just send it out, send mass messages. And I want, you know, I want to seek your help. I want to have a conversation. That's it. Not selling anything, nothing. Get them on a call uh, and then, you know, just give your ideas. And But yeah, it's, it's super hard work because, you know, the thing is you understand the pain of being a consumer yourself. So, you understand the pain of having to talk to a Vodafone customer support or the Airtel customer support or the Geo customer support, right? You don't understand the pain of a CHR. You don't understand the pain of, you know, someone who's using SAP because you have <laughs> never used it before. You. <laughs> so, so I, I think just like get trying to just keep being in front of customers, speaking to them, 
you know, understanding. I think that becomes the most important play here. And then saying, hey, we don't know jack shit. We are here to learn and we're ready to co-build. Just pay me something which makes sure that, which tells me that you are, this is a big problem for you. That's why, because if you are not paying anything, then probably it's not a big problem for you, right? So, uh, just pay me something that tells me that it's big enough problem for you. I'll go ahead and, you know, make sure I'll, I'll, I'll give my 200% to solve it for you. Uh, okay. So what next after YC? Like how, how did YC change the, uh, the trajectory you were on? So I think, uh, YC was, you know, very, very pivotal for us overall to give us a global perspective, right? That's the first time I, I, I ever went out, uh, in the US, I went to the US and, um, I, you know, got to speak to customers across the globe, especially in the US. And uh, uh, overall, I got to, you know, say that, yes, the same problem exists everywhere in the world, right? I think that was the biggest, uh, you know, plus that, you know, yes, what we are doing is actually a huge, huge global problem. Uh, YC opens a lot of networks, a lot of, uh, you know, it just opens a lot of doors for you, not just from a customer standpoint, but also from a VC standpoint. So we also did raise our $2 million seed round post YC uh, at the demo day. So that was also pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, but but my biggest takeaway was not the $2 million, I think it was, or the fundraise. I think it was the fact that, yes, we got huge global validation. Uh, you're just speaking to people because yeah, at the end of the day, I think this, See, things get figured out over a period of time. It's a matter of founders just staying at it for years to make it happen. You know, you know what I mean? So I think, and, 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 and for that to happen, that belief needs to come from within. And it's, it's probably just stupid a lot of times as well. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's what gets you over the line. Two million is a pretty good seed round. Like, what was it? Was it like the fact that you had been at it for a while uh, you were both like uh, all, all of you were ideas it was like a hard tech problem AI and all, all of that like all these factors combined would have helped plus enterprise as, as you said is like a good uh, business to build absolutely I think it's just the fact that you know we also had customers apart, apart from us being from IIT apart from us you know having doing deep tech I think we had customers I think that's what I don't think we they care about where you are from um, I, I think that has changed in the last five years, which is very good. Uh, I don't think VCs care where you're from. I think, and especially in, in these markets today, uh, you know, as you look at 2023, as I look at, you know, 2023, uh, definitely, you know, what is more important is customers, traction, growth. Uh, of course, backgrounds do matter. It's not like that they don't, but probably just 5% now as compared to a lot more earlier, mm-hmm. five years ago. Yeah, and what did you learn about making uh, pitches to investors? Like, you know, you were a newbie on that also. What any learnings there, or you were satisfied with the pitches you made? Oh, absolutely, I was. So again, uh, one thing that you know, one one thing that you would have understood about me is if I want to do something, I just put like two hundred, three hundred percent into it. So the day gives you two minutes. It's a two minute slot, right? Hundred and twenty seconds. Uh, I practiced that pitch probably 120 times. It's it's 120 seconds and uh, it was practiced. I'm telling you it was practiced at least 100. I, I have recordings. Every single time I practiced, it was recorded. Wow. I had taken feedback from my co-founders, from, you know, extended team members. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, absolutely, like, every, like, every single word was measure, measured. So, uh, then what? Like, once you got this uh, $2 million, uh, you know, what next? And you also got that understanding that this is a global opportunity. Yes. So, uh, next was, you know, to start building the real business. <laughs> now you have cash, you can hire folks and you can actually be a, uh, build a real business, right? So we had most of our team in India, uh, but I wanted to open the U.S. market. So I personally, uh, you know, shifted completely to the U.S., spent time in the Bay Area, spent time in New York, uh, in Chicago and we decided to kind of stay in New York because the time zone was much better uh, from a East Coast to India perspective versus the West Coast to India perspective. So uh, 2019 was all about building, 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 building and, you know, uh, getting the team in in shape and, you know, starting to, you know, properly sell. I think our, our sales motions got better uh, 
in back in india we actually while i opened up the new york office you know in india we opened our mumbai office we got a couple of people there uh and you know kind of things started to happen like you were heading sales yeah 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 i've always headed sales <laughs> for lena yeah so uh uh yeah so so that happened and then uh you know things started moving like we understood our customers we 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 were building products that was you know extremely relevant for them and uh we were also selling the product pretty well like it was good growth we did probably 4x in 20 uh 19 for sure we did with a proper 4x revenue growth and you no know, we very very excited with the prospects of 20 uh 20 right? how was it you close um, 2019 at i don't remember exactly it should be around 600k or something like that okay okay 600 to 800k 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 mm-hmm. yeah and around 3 and 1/2 of growth so what did you learn about uh, b2b sales you know i'm sure you would have like from that early pitch of uh, give us some money and we'll co-build with you you must have become keyboard polished in approach absolutely so i think every 6 months at lena ai our sales methodology changes so the reason is i think we just mature up we mature up it's like it's like you know we are in school you are completing classes at late lena ai right you know every 6 months our sales methodology and then the way we sell changes i think uh, it's been a crazy journey overall and i think the 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 learning in 2019 was specifically on the uh you know on the fact of okay you know can we get customers to sign up up front right and and we're not talk about $5000 as something to try about can we talk about $20000 can we talk about $25000 right and uh that was the biggest push and at that time that seemed to be so so hard for us to do and uh you know uh, i i think we were we were fairly successful in 2019 to be able to do that but still there were a lot of pilots which were getting converted instead of direct sales which which i was okay with i think that's something all right i think if someone is giving you whatever amount of money every single dollar is valuable to them and uh, it's justified for them to you know seek value or confirm value uh, before this they spend that's that's how i'd spend today right so uh, so that's yeah so trade mining was more about new seed but but large content like low cost pilots for companies until they are convinced and then convert them into a full paying uh, customer okay got it that's planned no okay so any 19 and it be well yeah yeah, yeah. Then, then what like once uh, the pandemic hit uh, you know did that impact you in any way tell me about that so we had a great pipeline you know exiting march we had a super amazing pipeline and we were really very very excited uh march we had a super very we were really excited about what we're going to close and all of that right um certainly on uh, the us had already reacted so the us business was anyway and then india also reacted in march itself and certainly you know we were like okay we had i remember we had our 40 45 or people at that time and and we were like okay shit what's what, what what's going to happen what are we going to do right and uh all the pipeline froze thankfully none of our customers churned and within like a month or two so april was probably very very like frozen but post april you know we actually had our biggest quarter uh you know closing september like because everyone was moving remote so the need for uh tools that make remote working smoother uh, was shooting up and yep. you you got that like like the way zoom got that pandemic boost i'm guessing you would have also benefited from that absolutely so uh just like zoom you know we also we were skyro we had the largest quarter ever uh, till then at, at the point you know when the pandemic started uh we 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 were getting crazy uh, you know inbounds from vcs also so uh yeah we we actually did our series uh a fundraise in the middle of the pandemic in november uh november of 2020 led by a great raft of 8 million dollars and it was just running out of the back of you know us doing i i think we would have still been there from a revenue perspective but you know i kind of i kind of believe that you know it became such a high priority that is we were being discussed discussed in board meetings in front of ceo so i think yeah overall the pandemic did have a huge silver lining lining for us as a business okay 
And uh, what was uh, the, uh, how quick was it for a customer to get onboarded? Did you have to spend a lot of time in integrations or was it like in 24 hours you're like, Mm. So we take 28 days to go live. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tell me the journey of onboarding. Absolutely. So the biggest time is spent in uh, two things. So there are two parts of the, the solution. One is integrating with your knowledge. So uh, policies, documents, how tos, process, process documents, right? That's, that's one. So if you, if you ask, okay, uh, you know, what is my leave eligibility, right? That's uh, that's like a knowledge, just like a policy thing, right? Then the second question is, how do I apply for a leave? Or, oh no, I won't apply for a leave. Or what is my leave balance, for example, right? Now, the first one is a knowledge query. The second one is a transactional query, right? So typically back then, it used to take more time to do the, the transactional integration because we didn't have a lot of out-of-box integrations, right? Today, this the story is completely different. We have kind of crunched down times because we, are, we have integrated pretty much all the, all the HR, IT, ERP, CRM, solutions out there many times over. So we have like out-of-box integrators with every one of them. Uh, right. At that time, it used to take time doing those integrations right. as, right. as well. Right. 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 Okay. okay. And how, how did you absorb the knowledge? Uh, was it like uh, just uh, like import uh, all the written Word documents or like how, how was that happening? So customers used to give us their PDF files at that time and then our AI would run on top of it. Today though, it's very easy. Today, uh, you know, fast forward to today, we have like Integrations with SharePoint, Confluence, uh, you know, name it, Zendesk, knowledge management, service now, knowledge management, so Salesforce knowledge management, all knowledge, but Dropbox, Drive, File, whatever. Give us a knowledge management system, we'll integrate with it, our AI will go through it and do all the, do all the magic at the back. Okay. 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 And uh, does this need uh, human training? Like, you know, I'm sure it must have initially needed some sort of human training to make sure that you're reading the policies correctly. You're not getting something wrong. Uh -huh. Back in, in the large company, policies can be very complex, right? Back in 2019, yes, it did need some some amount of uh, training. And, uh, but today, you know, we've automated 90, 99% of it. Like, so, and that's one of our biggest competitive advantages today as well, because, you know, Something that you will need to, you know, set up in a in a chatbot company will probably take like a year, two years to set it up. Lena, I can set it up for you in seven days. Wow, amazing! Yeah, okay, okay. It's a huge competitive one. Like nobody is even like close to our technology today. Wow, yeah. It, it, so so now that twenty eight days is compressed to seven days, you say? Yes, but. The size of our deployments have increased manifold, Akshay. So we are doing multi-country, multi-geography, you know. <laughs> in those cases, of course, there are, oh, approvals, oh, that is not approved. So <laughs> our time, our time spent is probably just like 7 to 14 days. But customers have, like, of course, we are talking about the largest of the largest customers, right? They have 15 approvals to take before. And that's okay. That's, that's part of their business. That's part of their process. And we respect that. So the time probably has not crunched. The time effort on our end has completely gone now. This is the, yeah. And how do you monetize? Like it, it, at Chatter on it was a per message monetization, which I'm sure now would be maybe a per employee or something like that. How do you do it? It's now? a per employee per year subscription charge. That's correct. Okay. How much is that? So varies. So we have like eight products at this point and uh, like all the products are, you know, the, like they, they solve some specific problem for the customer, right? Either in HR, in IT, or then, then there's the enterprise module as well. So you can either buy the HR module, you can buy the IT module, or you can buy the enterprise module as well. Uh, then there are other modules like finance, ERP modules. So you can buy any one of these, or you can buy the enterprise module and you get everything, right? So it depends on what you buy. Uh, it could be, you know, it, it also depends from geography to geography. So we do realize and are cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, from a business case perspective or, or an ROI of automation perspective, automating away, let's say, 1,000 tickets for a customer in the US versus automating away 1,000 tickets for a customer in India just has different value or yeah. has different dollar value to it. Yeah. So we're cognizant of that fact. So pricing varies per geography as well. But, but what's like a range? Like say for just an HR module for uh, what would be the range between India and US? 
would be very different. So it could be starting at, you know, let's say $3 to $8 per employee per month in India. The US, it would be you know, starting at around $10 to, you know, 10 to $50. It depends. What you're buying, HRIT, yeah, yeah. ERP, Enterprise. But yeah, of course, we are, we are, we are now, we, we add a lot of value to our customers and we do charge a premium for the value. We, we are the best product in the market. We know it. We are, we are doubling down on our investment in continuing to be the best or 10x better than anyone else on the market. And, and there is a premium attached to that as well. Okay. Okay. So I understand HR module, it's like what we've already discussed. IT would probably be like a help desk, like my system is not working or I need access to a software, need a user ID or whatever. Uh, finance would be like asking about reimbursements and stuff like that or uh, filing a claim and so on. What does the ERP module do? So finance is not just, uh, you know, that finance also sometimes mean, uh, you know, other things like, uh, payments, uh, you know, purchase. Uh, yeah, vendor payments, purchase acquisition, purchase orders, uh, finding status of payments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, ERP, you know, is can do a lot of things, and CRM also. So we have a CRM integration, a CRM module also. So CRM module, let's say Salesforce integration. Sometimes enterprise companies say that okay, we have a problem where our reps go and have conversation, but don't update Salesforce. It's very uh, shady to use. Right. So we can on because Lena is on the mobile, on WhatsApp, on Slack, on Microsoft Teams. Lena is everywhere, right? For the employee, when Lena go to Akshay and say, "Hey, Akshay, you had a meeting with the uh, the the CFO of J and J. How did it go? You know, give me some notes. Do you want me to remind somebody about something? Do you want me to set up a task? Do you want me to change the value of the deal? You know, so that you know the rep does not need to kind of go because it feels like a task. I've done sales myself yeah, the last yeah, five years, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's just my I love talking to people I love talk. I, I love understanding their problems and solving them for them now I'm going to make notes for because I need to but then oh my god do I need to put it in a sales force yeah that's the probably that's they can solve. so they never take, take a picture on sled notes and upload it and stuff like that and then put it on from Slack or Microsoft Teams or WhatsApp you know just Lena is coming to you hey do you want me to update something in the in the deal take a screenshot share it to Lena Lena will send it to the deal in Salesforce, right? You didn't need to open Salesforce, you don't need to do anything. You create a follow-up task or follow-up meeting, whatever you want. Yeah. So the, and this is one use case, right? There are multiple, there are many, many such use cases, right? A vendor is following up with you, Akshay, you know, where's my payment? Now you would basically go to a finance person and say, okay, where's this guy's payment? You don't need to do that shit anymore. You can just go to Lena and say, uh, status of PO numbers or invoice numbers. And you get information on your Slack or on your Microsoft thing right there and you can just send it to your vendor or if I were to take it forward your vendor can also access this directly on a WhatsApp or on SMS you know wow amazing so, so a lot of different use cases that we are entering into of course uh, again just to just to kind of for the benefit of the audience here you should not do this until you have a firepower or cash to do this right so when you start just focus on one thing really, 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 really well, very, very deeply. Make sure you're the best in the world at that. Then raise a ton of money and then do whatever you want. But don't <laughs> do Amazing. Okay. So you you raised that ton of money in your Series B round of $30 million. So that was for uh, building out a tech team to build all these products. I'm guessing this this would be pretty expensive to build uh, all of these. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. See, this is... It, it, it's a $500 billion plus play over the next 5, 17, 10 years. And I'll explain why. If you look about the service now, BMC, Jira, the IT ticketing tools marketplace, you'd realize that they're, they're all currently trading at a cumulative value of market cap of $500 billion plus, right? Now, what is their sell? They say that I'm going to go to companies and I'm going to help them manage tickets better. Streamline ticket management. But at the end of the day, the ticket are being sold, tickets are being sold by humans at the back, right? Of course. So when that is happening, Akshay, uh, I'm going in and saying that, hey, I'm going to kill tickets before they are created. I'm going to probably kill 60-70% of the tickets in IT, in HR, in admin, in finance before they are created, right? So I'm not just making the, the, the ticketing tool 
use less by 60-70%. I'm not eating, I'm not just eating up the ticketing tool value by 60-70%, which is like $300 billion in itself. But I'm also, I'm also saving human costs. If you have 100 people IT support team, I'm going to make that 30 or 40 in a year, right? So that's huge dollar savings for any enterprise play. Amazing. So um, do you also enable that uh, human ticketing, like say uh, somebody being actually able to raise a ticket to another human being in IT for whatever, like something which is yes. not covered in the knowledge base that you ingested? Yes. So Lena can, of course, at the end of the day, it's AI. It cannot answer all kinds of and all all queries, right? So we we have built our own case management system, which is also a ticketing system. So that anything that Lena cannot respond to actually goes and gets raised as a ticket. Okay. And that would probably uh, eventually get added to the knowledge base because when somebody answers a ticket of a certain type, then the next time yep. that type of ticket is created, you can... Uh, just answer it directly. That is correct. Oh, amazing. So are you also looking to extend this towards customers? Like, I mean, for you know, working with customers, especially for SaaS companies, uh, this could have value. No. So the way we believe that this market is playing out, Akshay, it's very important to be the, to be really, really deep in a vertical, right? Hmm. So, I don't want to make the mistake of being every everything for everyone again, right? Yeah. I think there is there is immense, and, and I'll tell you why. So there are two things that are playing out together. One is the NLP algorithms that understand what people are asking for, right? That NLP algorithms, our NLP algorithms are very focused or we have custom NLP algorithms just for HR, just for IT, just for finance, right? We have built like, we are not taking the platform approach that, okay, this is a generic NLP, do whatever you want to build on. No. That's very poor in terms of ROI, in terms of accuracy in, in, in real in the real world, right? So we have a specific algorithm for HR, we have a specific algorithm for IT, we have a specific algorithm for, for, for finance, right? Now, that's one part of the story. The other part of the story is also integrations, right? It's not just, see, let's say you ask Lina, Akshay, you go and ask Lina, why is my salary less this month? Now, to answer this question, Akshay, Lina will need to a, understand what you're saying, which is the NLP that Akshay needs to know why is his salary low, right? Why is our tax higher, right? And secondly, Lena will need to have access to data from multiple systems like your payroll system, your HRIS, your leave and system to put this together and then give you a response, right? So one is the NLP, the other is the integrations and both have to function and go really, really deep in, a, in, a, in an enterprise to be able to add value to be actually be able to do 70%, 60-70% automation. So uh, we have ambitions of being the Jarvis for employees, but we have we don't want to go anywhere close to doing customer support or marketing bots or something like that. I think what we are seeing is in the next five years, just like you saw two platforms come out. So the CRM platform and the ITSM platform come out as separate platforms. They technically technically you can say that, you know, you you can use the Salesforce as as ITSM. You can, you could, if you want yeah, to. ITSM means IT service management, like ticketing. Yes, ticketing, right? Okay. Like Salesforce has a ticketing tool of its own, right? So for, for customer, but but you see that CIOs manage two platforms. One is the CRM and right. there's a, because they go deep in their own, own areas. Something that Salesforce can't do, ServiceNow does, or a BMC does, and something that a BMC cannot do, a Salesforce does, right? So, they go very deep in their own areas uh, in every single day. And I I believe in the next five years, this industry is going to evolve there where they're going to be, there's going to be a, a master enterprise virtualized and lean AI, which is going to do all employee support and employee service experiences. And then there's going to be something on the consumer end that a CIO will buy on top of Salesforce. So I, I think that's how this market is going to evolve. Okay, fascinating. Okay. So what is your uh, current uh, sales challenge that you're solving. Like you told me, 2019, it was about getting customers to buy upfront uh, and you evolved every six months. What has been the evolution since then? What have you learned? I think the biggest, or where we are today versus, you know, 2020, I think the biggest difference is we are doing extremely high value and 
high value deals with proper value selling. Now, what does that mean? If I'm going to a customer today, Akshay, I don't talk about products, our product, our features. I talk about ROI. I talk about understanding the exact problems that you have as a CIO, as a CHR, as a CFO and saying, okay, you want to reduce costs, let me help you reduce costs. Today, your IT support team has 100 people. I'm going to take that down by 60 people in the next one year. Not just that. I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to do it. So today, these 100 people, they get these 1,000 tickets. These, these 1,000 tickets are categorized into these categories and subcategories. In these categories and subcategories, I'm going to do this much automation. This category, I'm going to do 100% automation. This category, I'm going to do 20% automation. This category, I'm going to do 80% automation. And this is exactly how will I automate. I'm not just telling you I'm automating. I'm also telling you this API I will use to automate this. So when an employee says my password is, I, I want to reset my password. Right now, a human is doing it and then an SMS is sent on their mobile. I'm going to use this API to automate it like in real time right there, right then. Right, Akshay? So I'm going to tell you this and then I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go one step ahead and I'm going to say, this is how you're going to save 60 people. This is their salaries. This is the total dollar I'm going to save you in a year, right? Now pay me this much. This is real dollar saving for you. And to sweeten the deal, I am going to tell you that in your contract, I'm going to commit to you a self-service ratio. I'm going to commit this ROI this 60% automation in the contract to you. In case we don't achieve this number by the end of the year, I'll give you credits back. Now we go to this level. Now this is this is the maturity level today in 2022. But it's been a journey. I think uh it's probably it's been a, it's been an amazing fulfilling journey. Like learning how to do and, and our ECVs are skyrocket. We're we're doing uh, millions of dollars of deals right now. And, the ECB uh, is average contract value. Yes, average contract value. Yes, that's right. Oh, you must be selling to like Fortune 500 businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Global Fortune 500 uh, businesses, wow. US, Middle East, Europe, okay. Southeast Asia, India. Yeah. So the way you do sales is first you need to get this information from business, like what are the number of tickets, category of tickets, what is headcount, and so on, and then you make your pitch. Yep. Because it doesn't make sense, right? So if if I can't save you money, what will you do with the proposal? The proposal will not be worth the paper it is printed on, right? <laughs> Amazing. And uh, how do you uh, make it institutional that uh, this is how you make a proposal? Like, I mean, I'm sure you would be a pro at making a proposal like this with exact ROI and so on. But how do you institutionalize it so that someone who's joining you today is able to make such proposals in a couple of months' time. Absolutely. So, again, I don't think we have reached a level where I'd say, you know, it's running like clockworks today. It will be in the next two months because we've kind of figured it out. It's a journey, right? So, like, getting to this level is a is a journey in itself, right? And uh, I think the, the plan, not the plan, what we already executed is that, okay, there are discovery questions. So, like written down discovery questions that okay ask this 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 if you ask these 15 questions you'll have your you'll know whether the case can be created or not right whether we can add value or not once that is the case you know then you ask these more questions put this in so there's an excel template that's been created you put it in of course every time i don't think you can actually use an excel because this is enterprise sales right enterprise sales you know okay you know no i don't do it this way i do it that way because every enterprise you know is, is unique and then so I don't think it can be completely templatized ever, but yeah, if a person is logical and they know how to think about things, you know, it's, it's, you have to just think with first principle, right? You know, this is the problem. This is the number of people that they use to solve that problem. This is what these people do. Uh, this is how our technology will automate that, this part of this process. So this is the dollar shape, right? So it's pretty simple. Like it's, it's, it's first principle. Tell me about building up the, uh, uh, organization. And yeah, I mean, you look after sales specifically. So how do you build up your sales organization? What's the way in which you scaled up and hired people and made them productive? So I think uh, we've made our fair share of mistakes on the way, for sure. Right? Uh, I think post our series B, we scaled up very, very rapidly. 
we went from seven sales folks globally to over 40, right? Uh, we made mistakes in terms of, you know, hiring the right people, like competency, we didn't check competence. It was like a accelerated sales hiring process, right? We were giving out offers in like two interviews. Uh, so I don't think we checked for competency properly. I don't think we, you know. But, what does this mean to check for competency? Got it. So when you do enterprise sales, there are there are a few competent there are many competency frameworks available in the market. Uh, but I can tell you a few of them very very directly. Like I think, so if you want to look at any salesperson, I think uh, see they they need to know how to run a good discovery enterprise sales, how to run a good discovery and identifying, which is basically talking to the customer, identifying their pain, uh, articulating and understanding that business problem really really well. So running a good discovery, articulating and understanding and articulating that pro business problem really, really well. Uh, tying it to business value, right? So having an understanding of the solution and how that solution can solve this business problem is basically tying that problem back to and creating a business value, right? And then uh, I think the person, enterprise sales has multiple stakeholders, right? So whenever I go into sell, I have to sell to the CIO, to the admin, to the finance person, CFO, uh, CHRO. There's so many people because our, 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 we, we are selling to the enterprise, like the entire C-suite, right? Uh, so that person should be able to, a knowledgeable to to hold conversations with any kind of a persona, right? It might be the case that to run discovery, the CIO sent you down to a, an admin level person or, a, or the leader of shared services, right? Uh, he's also a leader. The, another leader who's a leader who might send you to even further down to a manager or to a direct IC level person who is closing tickets. So now you need to be a humble enough and you need to have that acumen to talk to every single persona. Yeah. Across the across the value chain. Right. So from to that IC person who's solving tickets, to that CEO or CIO or CFO. You need to be able to have conversations and build relationships across the spectrum. So I think you know, we didn't kind of do that enough, but but thankfully, uh, you know, out of whatever we hired, we got a good bunch of folks who we have been able to train and scale up now. And if I were to do it all over again, I just say that I'd, I'd be more stricter on these competencies uh, and probably hire slower than faster. I think hiring this fast was definitely not needed. Uh, and it led to us doing a lot more uh, training later on than what we could have got directly from the market. But it's okay. Uh, how do you assess these competencies? I mean, uh, the way I understand, these are like so complex that maybe you actually need people to join and work with you for a month or two before you will genuinely be able to assess that, yes, he has these competencies. That is, that is pretty much true. But <laughs> what you can do is you can hire from companies that you know follow these competencies, uh, like a sales. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. hire from sales, hire from service now, you know, mm -hmm. these guys have such competencies already. Right. They're also tough, okay. tough to get on board. They're also yeah. tough to get on board, but yeah. But but you should be okay with hiring slowly, but not compromise on these competencies because it takes, you know, a person who does not have these competencies, you'll have to spend those six, nine months just training, 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 mm -hmm. training, get them up to speed. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Okay. Fascinating. So uh, tell me about competition. Uh, I believe Moveworks is one of your competitors, right? Uh, I guess they would probably be the biggest in the competition. Yeah, I think, you know, we are one of, we are one of the best in the markets globally, right? In the market globally, right? And um, I think our other pair would be Movers for sure. Uh, Movers for sure. And uh, I think I'm not, I'm not too concerned about Movers or anybody else. I think uh, our biggest competition or the industry we are here to disrupt is essentially service now. We're disrupting service now. And we're disrupting BMC, the likes of BMC and IVANTI and, and those legacy ITSM softwares. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, I told you it's a $500 billion plus market. I don't think a movers is a competition to us. I think the real competition or the real war will be between us and ServiceNow. Okay. So you're saying it's not a winner take all market. There's enough space for multiple businesses. So I think, you know, we're already at the top of the pyramid at this point. Like there were probably a lot. So back when I started in 20, 
15, 16 in the conversation, 16 in conversational AI. In, by the end of 2017, I think there were 2,000 companies that were doing conversational AI globally. That was everything, not just enterprise, but everything, customer support, marketing. And there were, there were, most of them were on that side, right? Mm. Customer side. I can tell you this, yeah, I can tell you this, that only 10 odd remain relevant today. That's it, you know? Probably just 10 odd, 20 odd, let's say 20 odd remain relevant today, right? So only 1% have remained relevant. I think all of them have one and win, will win a lot of, and will make a large impact on the world over the next five years, all of them. Uh, but I also do think that out of these 20, probably just two or three remain on the enterprise side of things. So, so we've already won, like, like whatever we have achieved in the last five years is a lot of hard work. It's, it's not like somebody can come in, you know, overnight and because that's, that's the other thing about enterprise SaaS, right? There are so many complex moving parts of the puzzle. AI, then you have integrations and not just that, you have sales competencies, you have marketing competencies, you have to figure out how do I go and sell in a particular geography, right? There's so many, so many things that are happening. How do you make a, how, how do you make sure that customers do not churn? That's another set of, you know, uh, math science that's happening. Like, how do you make sure adoption is good? How do you make sure, you know, uh, customers continue to renew? So like to get all of this right, you know, it takes years and we already spent that. So. I think clear winners have already emerged. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.